0: Check podcasts. This is Van Van Collar. Welcome back to this is van color my name is mo amir and our featured guest tonight is one of my favorite politicians in this province he has a reputation for sticking up for regular people and wagging his finger at the elites he's not afraid to get on his soapbox and call out nonsense when he sees it he's one of the most engaged mayors in british columbia representing his community of port coquitlam he is mayor brad west brad what's up brother How's it going, Mo? Nice to see you.
1: Nice to be here. Thank
0: so, you for having me. R- my pleasure. Recently, you were at an event and there was a public policy expert that was speaking at this event and they were saying that, you know, millennials are just not interested in having a home with a backyard or a single family home
1: or raising kids in a spacious living area. You took offense to that. I did. Um, First off, I take offense to anyone who describes themselves as a public policy expert. It's got to be the weirdest thing to ever, you know, assume. And this person was
0: also a past municipal politician. Yeah, someone
1: who had been in politics. They had before. some experience. They had some experience. Yeah. Um, I did object to it because there's a difference between want and can. Right. Uh, want and afford. Hmm. You know, the reality is you talk to, any person, and I think, of course, you know, they'd love to be able to have more space. Yeah. The reality is for a younger generation in particular, you know, when you see the prices that single family homes are commanding nowadays, it's just not an option. So what I object to is this idea that first off, we're going to decide for everyone what it is that they want (laughs) without probably even talking to them. Right. Because when I talk to So you
0: don't think this actually reflects millennials? Both of no, us are millennials, no, by I, the way. Absolutely. I mean,
1: maybe pushing the upper limit of millennial, but <laughs> in Elder. The millennials, mix, yeah. In the mix. Look, the reality is that for a lot of millennials, I, I think the idea of being able to have a family, yeah. to be able to, you know, raise your kids in a, a place where you might have, you know, a, a patch of grass mm-hmm. is still something that people would like to be able to do. The reality yeah. is they can't, you know? And, and so to me, what I object to is the idea that, hey, this is what they want. They they want to be raising kids in 500 square feet. Uh, they don't want to ever own anything. Right. And that we should orientate our policies around this because that's what they want. And, and my guess is the individual who... Uh, so you, you hear that probably trope? Never. It's probably been a while since he's spoken to a millennial. <laughs> let me put it that way. <laughs> but you hear that trope, right? Like millennials want the
0: experiences; they don't want the material goods. And uh, you know, some millennials are just entitled, and they should lower their expectations. Do you ultimately think that that's
1: kind of a cop out? No, I think it's a total cop out. Look, there are some people who would make a decision, make a choice to to rent to live in a one-bedroom condo, you know, maybe to live downtown Vancouver, for instance. Mm-hmm. There are lots of other people who would like to make a choice to, to live somewhere where they have a little bit more room, to make a choice to be able to have a family. You know, but when you're faced with the, you know, just the, the uphill battle of being able to put together a, a down payment to be able to afford something, you know, let alone to be able to afford something that maybe is ground orientated, it, it's a real challenge. And so, again, from my perspective, the, the the difference here is between saying this is what people want, and so we should just forget about anything else, versus. This is a choice that people, unfortunately, are having to make because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Right. And so
0: I'm concerned because this was, quote unquote, a public policy expert, someone who was in municipal politics before. And if that just becomes the general attitude, doesn't that change the way that government then looks at things like housing or how communities are built and created?
1: Absolutely. You know, this is how these narratives get built and then get momentum behind them. (laughs) And, and, you know, like you said, this is not the first time I've heard this. Mm-hmm. And so it starts to get out there. Government starts to orientate itself around that idea. And pretty soon you've given up on an entire generation of people ever being able to, you know, own something, let alone own something, you know, that maybe is a bit bigger than 500 square feet. Right. Does government have any interest in lowering
0: the price of a home for home ownership, because you as the mayor of Port Coquitlam, if you enacted some policies that suddenly had home prices plummeting by 25, 40 percent, you probably have a lot of upset constituents whose mortgages might be underwater, certainly whose homes are now way less uh, valued than they were when they purchased them or, or perhaps that they thought they were going to be for retirement. It, I mean, it just feels like government has no interest in lowering the price of home ownership.
1: I mean, you're right. There probably would be some people who are upset, but there's a lot of people who are upset right now that they can't get into the housing market. Mm. And and so I I think you're right. I think government is is very tentative when it comes to this issue. And they kind of just nibble around the edges. They use language like, you know, cooling off. Uh, you know, they want to cool off the housing. Not market. reverse the not, housing market. Not, yeah. We've got ourselves locked into this scenario where it's just like a, a runaway train. Yeah. And we just all are kind of holding on by our fingertips. And there's this idea that it only has one way to go up and up and up and up. So, you know, Homestead, before you're like, oh, I can't believe that's a million dollars. Now I can't believe it's... Two million dollars. I mean, eventually, like reality does have to come into the the situation. Yeah, because the disconnect between our real estate market and our local incomes. I mean, the gulf is is massive, and yeah. that's not sustainable. And there will come a moment where the the two are going to have to, you know, maybe not meet, but a, a, at least have some reality injected into the situation.
0: Right. Are we almost at the point of no return then in in the sense that it's almost too hard to bring down those home values because you have people who have invested basically their life savings in these very expensive homes, not just single family homes, but condos and townhomes as well. And so maybe the focus needs to be on affordable living, but on the rental side, non-market housing. Is that where sort of the push needs to be? Because clearly, like I still feel like government, doesn't have an interest in reducing the, the value of, of land or re- reducing the value of homes.
1: Well, I, I think you're right that across the entire housing spectrum, there needs to be way more choice for people. Mm-hmm. So rentals, co-ops, row homes, you know, you, you need all of that to be brought to bear. So there are, you know, options available for people. I also believe that we need to be talking about not only the, the price of, of housing, the price of renting the price of goods the cost of living we got to be talking about the fact that we have had income and wage stagnation hmm. in our province in our country for several decades yeah. you know and in the absence of any growth in people's incomes or wages they're told to take on more credit Take on a bunch of cheap credit and and you know and that will make up the difference as the cost <laughs> of living continues to increase right and you know there's a lot there as to why that has taken place, but when you're talking about affordability, it's not just the cost of things it's also you know what are people earning right and and how do we increase prosperity broadly based in our country in our province,
0: yeah. Let's talk about one of the costs that have gone up in some regions of this province. The city of Vancouver recently instituted a charge on paper bags, 15 cents per paper bag at a restaurant or other business, 25 cents on a single use cup of coffee. Other jurisdictions are also implementing similar, you know, a quarter, a quarter for a paper bag, that kind of idea. You're not doing that. Why are
1: you so wasteful and why do you hate the environment? <laughs> Well, you know, it's just this type of stuff drives me nuts because what is it that's actually being accomplished? In the case of some of the jurisdictions, they institute this fee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The fee is collected by uh, the, the retailer and has no obligation to do anything with it. And a bunch of people pat themselves on the back for having done something great for the environment. Because now if you're taking your kids to McDonald's, uh, you get an extra charge for, you know, a cup, you get an extra charge for a takeout bag, and McDonald's takes that money. Yeah, the companies take that money. It doesn't go into government revenue. That's right. And so, you know, to me, this sort of like nickel and diming your average person and claiming that you've done something wonderful for the climate it is just greenwashed elitism. Right. Uh, because, you know... For the people who, you know, a nickel or a quarter isn't a big deal. Whatever, it's not going to deter them. Mm -hmm. You know, but for a lot of people, you know, that does make a difference. Yeah, and that does start to add up. And we seem to forget about those people an awful lot when we're, you know, talking about this type of stuff. So, so
0: really quickly, you're not going to institute any kind of policy that will charge
1: a quarter, fifteen cents, a dime. For a paper bag. Not only are we not going to do it. I got wind of the fact that there was a, a fast food retailer <laughs> in our community okay. who took advantage of the fact that this was happening in the city of Vancouver wow. and started instituting that fee and collecting it. Oh, and just on their own accord. On their own accord, cool. saying, "Hey, this municipal bylaw now, and we're collecting it, and we're keeping that money." Yeah. So. They had a visit from our bylaw department and uh, were educated on the fact that uh, that doesn't exist in Port Coquitlam.
0: Brad, this is why you are the people's mayor. We are now in the podcast exclusive part of my chat with Mayor Brad West. Brad, thanks for sticking around. Happy to.
1: I made it all the way down here. You did. It was a long trek for you. (laughs) It was.
0: Did you take transit? I, I couldn't. We don't have it. Why do you hate hate the environment so much, Brad? We we don't
1: have sky. I promise you, when we get a sky you should have biked. You should have (laughs) biked. It was. It's a sunny day. What's your excuse? I'm a bad person. (laughs) I drove in a. uh, In my defense, a you know 2001 Honda Civic. So you know, very good. 2001.
0: Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Going back to sort of what we were talking about in the in the TV segment, I, I want to talk to you about this idea of the role of municipalities, because this seems to be almost up for debate in British Columbia, certainly in Vancouver, in Victoria, other jurisdictions, where you're getting this pushback of some people, including some politicians, saying, you know what? Municipalities just need to stick to filling the potholes and collecting property taxes and, and taking care of parks and stuff. And then you have other folks that are saying, no, listen, there there are big gaps from the federal government and from the provincial government. And we are now responsible for filling in these gaps as best as we can. And they take on responsibilities, whether looking at the climate emergency or housing, even the drug poisoning crisis, and they really want to have an expansive role in those areas as well. You're a guy that often gets, I don't want to say propped up, but used as as an example of he's just sticking to the basics.
1: Is that your philosophy, ultimately? I I would say that I have a a nuanced view of this. I mean, first off, there are actual things the municipality is responsible for. Mm -hmm. Which would be? Well, okay, where do I start? So, I um, mean, just give me a broad yeah, brush. No, <laughs> sure. I mean, filling in potholes yeah. of snow clearing, cleanliness, parks, solid waste, uh, recreation is a huge one. Sure. Uh, and a really important one in terms of promoting healthy lifestyles and, and, and healthy living in, in your community. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, zoning and housing is an important one as well. Um, so, there are there's a lot when it comes to local government. There's a lot of things that we're responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so my view has always been that your first order of business has to be to be meeting your obligations that you have to your taxpayers on those issues. The things that people actually send their tax dollars to city hall for. I mean, that, that's that's the deal, right? Your property taxes go to city hall for Certain services. Yeah. And when you get your bill, at least in Porco Quitlam, it actually details line by line what those are. Hmm. So you can tell this is how much of my property taxes go towards parks. This is how much of my property taxes go towards recreation. Right. And so our first responsibility is to do those things well. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there are some elected officials who. Don't find it maybe interesting enough, or um, it, you know, it 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 doesn't grab their attention, and they kind of bypass it, or at least they don't emphasize it mm-hmm. to go towards the other issues that um, you know maybe are more are more newsworthy. Uh, you know, maybe they have a real passion for, or or a genuine belief that the local government should be you know carrying the ball on those issues. So my kind of. View of it is that before you go and tackle all these other issues and wrestle them to the ground, <laughs> tackle. <laughs> you got, that's the big one, right? You got to tackle that, all the big issues. That's right. <laughs> you got to meet your your most basic obligations and responsibilities to to your residents. And look,
0: but I think that's and I think that's fair. But yeah, I mean, we we had Mayor Braun, Henry Braun from. Abbotsford on the show. And he also talked about how, you know, a a lot of this maybe not new to him, but he really realized how much responsibility when it came to emergency services was downloaded onto the municipal level. And while he praised the, the relationship with the government and how the response was handled, you know, he even said that going forward, they have to figure out the the division of these responsibilities because he felt like there was too much on municipalities. So, I mean, certainly something like emergency services, you would agree with that if there's a gap in your community,
1: you're trying to fill that gap, right? Oh, for sure. And look, we've done that in in Port Coquitlam. You know, there when we had all of that rainfall, Mm -hmm. uh, atmospheric river, as we learned it it was to be called, um, we had localized flooding and the city responded. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and the cities do have a role when it comes to responding to emergencies. Uh, There's no doubt that over several decades, uh, senior levels of government have downloaded a lot of responsibility onto municipalities uh, without any funding to go with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, a lot of uh, cities struggle you know, to fill that gap, you know, when the chips are down and, and things are happening, particularly, obviously, in, in the situation in the Fraser Valley, you know, there's no doubt the government uh, at the municipal level need to step in and, and, and do what it did. Um, I, I think where the, the challenge becomes is, uh, you know, that that was a, a, a particular event. Um, and, government responded to it there are other issues that are more systemic that some local governments are are trying to step into and again i think probably from a good place of wanting to try and you know improve the situation mm-hmm. the, the hard part is is that with the municipal finance system the way it is and property taxes being the really, you know, really the only source of revenue for local government. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it, you're never going to be able to, utilizing property taxes, solve some of these challenges that local government, you know, has got themselves Im- involved in. Right. And so, you know... But is there it, something to be said about
0: uh, taking leadership on certain issues? I mean, yeah, y- for sure, y- you're not going to... That solve climate change as a municipality, however, putting in green practices, like actual yep. environmentally conscious uh, practices that reduce waste, that, that might, in, in again, a small way, but in a way that exemplifies leadership, reduces greenhouse gases, like
1: governments Absolutely. should be able and, to and do and that, right? So t- to me, this is where I think this is what it actually comes down to. It's taking action versus... S- symbolic gestures. Okay. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Like you raised uh, climate change is an issue that municipalities should be responding to and you're absolutely correct. So what are some of the things we can do? Well, we can make sure that uh, all the housing that's being built in our communities is pre-wired for EV mm-hmm. uh, because of the growth of that. Uh, we can switch city fleets to EVs uh, which we're doing you can uh, really go after the emissions that come from from buildings and you know when we're building new municipal uh, buildings we make sure that you know uh, we're putting in heat pump you know we're doing all of those things you know uh, for goodness sakes in Porco Quitlam our Zamboni is electric. (laughs) We built a new community center we have an electric Zamboni so you have you know all of these things that you can do Um, and, and I think That's appropriate, and we should be doing that. Um, What I have a a challenge with is the stuff that is way more symbolic and is used uh, sort of as as a decoy for actually doing something, for actually delivering something. So instead, you get talk. Well, look, we're doing so much on climate because we declared a climate emergency. Okay. Great, so what does that mean? Mm-hmm. We all know that you know what is it that you're actually doing? you know, like we talked about earlier for me the 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 fee on uh, paper bags you, uh, is like again, I think very misguided in terms of under the under the guise of climate action, you know do something that I don't think achieves very much for the climate, right? Uh, but does penalize, you know, primarily poor and working class people, mm-hmm. who, you know, are, are now going to have to pay even more, you know, when they want to go to. So, so
0: this I find fascinating, and I want to set aside the the paper bag example because yeah. that is kind of the most egregious example of greenwashing or symbol uh, symbolism. You are a guy that that uses symbols. I mean, you you lit up City Hall in the. Ukrainian colors I have nothing against that I think it's a great symbol I think symbols are important but you also engage in them uh, you as I introduced you on the TV show you stand up in your soapbox you call out injustice or, or things that you think are wrong I think that's why people love you sure you're not taking city resources to do that fine but you're also a person that operates in your whole life, maybe not just a- acting as mayor, but in your whole life, you ap- operate outside of the the constraints of what municipal government does. So it, it's just, it's fascinating to me that you're kind of criticizing something that you also a- at least brush up against.
1: Yeah. And, and so I think it's important to address that. And this really gets to what I was talking about in, in the very beginning, which is, it's kind of first things first. Mm. So if if all I did was go around, you know, criticizing the, the government of China, um, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, uh, as I. And starting rumors as, about as, how you're as, running for the
0: B.C. liberal leadership, apparently.
1: <laughs> that one didn't come for me, as, as you would know. Um, then I think that's one thing. Um, but I, I think that when you're delivering on the the basic responsibilities of of the job that you've signed up for, yeah, I do think then your constituents are supportive of you using your platform to advocate for things that you think are important, right? And so, you know, as with most things, I think it's it's not just it's black or white, right? I think that it's got to be a, a an issue of where are you placing your priorities where where's your energy how are you communicating to your residents and then yeah because i agree with you um you know some symbolism can be very important and can send a-, a message but if there's no action then it's just empty <laughs> um you know and you're right you know we did light up city hall in the colors of ukraine we also went and got a bunch of supplies together that were surplus uh, of the cities, first aid supplies, and and got them over there Hmm. and worked with people in our community. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't need to be one or the other. I think that, you know, we can can take stands, we can advocate for issues, uh, we can do some of the symbolism stuff. But if that's all it is, then it's just, it's an empty suit. Yeah. There's got to be some substance behind it. Uh, And, you know, you got to be willing to to take action. And you also have to have your priorities in order in in understanding that, you know, ultimately you are elected to do a job at Mm. local government. and, And before anything else, before you go and try and solve an issue that is primarily the responsibility of the provincial or federal government, you have to be delivering on the municipal responsibility right and if you do that i think you get more support from the public from residents from others to to go and advocate for the things that you think are important
0: and clearly it's working out for you obviously you, you were elected as mayor with what like 80 83 percent of the popular vote something yeah, 88 ridiculous. 88, but 88 not, i'm sorry no. wow i was underselling
1: it. Uh, <laughs> not that <I'm>, you know,
0: <laughs> what are you shooting for uh this time this uh, year
1: I would just be happy to be (laughs) reelected to continue working for the people of Poco.
0: I love that. But you know, to to, to go back to what you're saying, I think you're absolutely right. It it is, it kind of comes down to that first things first idea and maybe not so much lately, but I know that when you were, when you were doing a lot of media, there was a lot of pushback of Brad, just do your job, just be the mayor of Poco and, and stop thinking about this. And I thought that that was always a very persuasive fallback of, I'm doing my job. Like I'm right. taking. Uh, that's the residents of Portland. This Porcupa is like
1: Europe. the. I think I said to you. This is like the walking and chewing gum at the same time. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, when we were in the really in, in the midst of all the um, public discourse around money laundering and and the need for a public inquiry, and, and you know, I was a very strong advocate for that, and mm-hmm. you know, spoke out in, in favor of that, uh, you know, a lot. Um, my work at the city didn't suffer, Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to skip a council meeting, um, or, you know, not pay attention to the things that we're trying to do Mm -hmm. at the city, because, you know, I want to go and try and bring about a a public inquiry. Um, it was, as I said at that time, you know, we're still cleaning up the city. We're still filling in potholes, you know you can do that and also you know speak out forcefully on the things that you think are important so sure. again to me it's do you about-
0: think it's a? I mean we're we're going to slam millennials after we just defended our demographic <laughs> do you think that's a, a almost a millennial phenomenon where you are seeing and and some of them you know i i i talked to and and they they do come into municipal in municipal politics with a much larger scope than than what the job might necessarily outline is that a, a, a phenomenon of maybe a younger demographic of, try, of trying to take on more than what the role and responsibilities of municipalities actually are?
1: Yeah, I don't know that there might be something to that. Um, you know, certainly the the job has evolved a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the the expectations uh, of local government have evolved a lot, um, and, and so that might feed into. Um, you know, the the desire to do more. Um, for me, part of it is just like also, you know, being a pretty high energy individual mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to kind of multitask a bit and, you know, being able to uh, do, you know, make sure a number of things are moving forward. So, right. um, you know, yeah, you could be onto something there about uh, being a bit of a generational thing. mm mm-hmm. Can you believe this is
0: the fifth time we're doing this?
1: No, (laughs) we've
0: uh, first. I was trying to do a trilogy. (laughs) Trilogy. We've talked a lot of shit on here. (laughs) We've made the news occasionally. We've uh, we've cried. There have been tears. It's been emotional sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah. It's kind of been this weird. The only thing that's missing is
1: Stockwell Day. You
0: did it. You finally. I mean, I was yeah, pushing actually, for that hard, I actually, and you finally debated Stockwell Day. Say
1: to you because I know that that was you what, got under his skin. Yeah, he, um, you know, it was a it was a bit of a bizarre encounter because ostensibly he was brought on to argue that we should allow Huawei to participate in Canada's five G network. Yeah, and he kind of jettisoned that position right away yeah you know and just you know asked weird questions about my family and asked <laughs> and demanded i condemn cuba <laughs> you know why won't you stand up against cuba Brad? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it was, so, and for the record i do um it, it, it was a it was a bit of a bizarre encounter um but um what,
0: what brought that on? Because I remember that there was there was a real push and, I, and I'm not taking full credit for it. But you you came on, you talked about Stockwell Day and the, these Huawei connections, you know, it, at least in the local media politics, like people were kind of buzzing about it. And I know that CKW at the time, they were like, we need to they were tried to pair it back then. I think that was 2019, 2018, 2019, I think. 2019. Yeah, Yeah. And so they tried to pair you guys and then. Three years after the fact, then you guys get paired. Like it just was, it was bizarre to me that it happened then. Yeah.
1: The t- what 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 brought that on? Like, did- I'm trying to remember what the the context of it. What was going on in the media at the time that that led to that encounter? It was on Mike Smith's show, and uh, he had reached out to me, and obviously he knew that i had been outspoken on this, mm-hmm. uh, and he. He asked, you know, would I be willing to come on? And I said yes. And then I think he had kind of offhand said, "Well, I'm going to try and get Stockwell Day to to come on <laughs> as well." And I said, "Oh, okay." And then and then he ended up agreeing to. So funny! I, I can't remember. It was it was after Meng Lanzhou had um, had. Um, that deal had occurred yes. and all that sort of stuff. And so you think that played a,
0: to... a play, uh, that played a role in it that maybe because maybe, everything because, had settled in the courts now I remember he felt
1: Stockwell Day on the radio tried to claim that somehow he had traveled to uh, China at the height of uh, uh, the two Michaels being detained to right. um, you know to somehow you know secure their release. Yeah, how did that work out for him? Did he do it? Is he? Is he the one that released them? Well, I think in his mind, he somehow thinks that you know, by him kind of, uh, by him, advocating on behalf of Huawei, uh, that somehow that had played a role. I don't know. It's you know, yeah. Some people really delude themselves. <laughs> of, was
0: was that debate all that you wanted it to be? Because I remember back then in 2019, you were like,
1: I cannot wait to debate this guy. We're I'm going to yeah, have so I much mean, fun. The, 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 when you are debating someone on radio it it's a bit of a the format is always a challenge. yeah and you're both right? on the because phone both on the phone yeah. and and that sort of stuff so um you know i I'd, I'd love to have an in person debate or discussion with him at, at some time um but um i don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon he's <laughs> had some really weird things to say about covid and a bunch of other stuff Yeah. Thing, so
0: yeah it was interesting that they they even brought him on like he just didn't
1: Seem relevant at the time. It, I you know. I just remember that he had been uh, so strong in his defense of of Huawei. Yeah. Uh, prior to, and then he comes on to, you know, to supposed to be articulating why he thinks that they should be participating in five G in Canada, and you know, just. Wouldn't say that. Wouldn't, you know, instead he was had some weird um, you know, complaint about oh, well, it's taking too long, but you know, whatever the government decides will be fine. So, hmm. I, I don't know. It might be different people cutting checks at that
0: point, who knows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, who knows? Just asking questions, that's, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that was. Uh, I, well, I hope I get in trouble for that. But anyways, I, I do want to. Uh, before I let you go, I, I want to promote Poco a little bit. Let's do that. So, as you know, uh, and th- I have not prepped you on this. I did not. But I, but I wanted to ask you this.
1: Okay.
0: As you know, I have a terrific lady in my life. And I I love to plan dates. I love to plan terrific lady days. How do I plan a dream date all in Poco? Start me mid-morning to evening. What am I doing in Poco? Here is your chance to promote your city. Which, and the reason I came up with this question for you, as you know, Juno award-winning comedian Ivan Decker was on the show and he had a wonderful honeymoon in Port Coquitlam, he saw a woodpecker. Featuring a woodpecker, I remember that. <laughs> Which we weren't sure if you arranged that, but he thanked you for it anyways. He did. And uh, he said that he had a fantastic time in, in, enjoying his honeymoon in Port Coquitlam. So that's why now that Port Coquitlam is this regional capital of romance, yes. I, I I want your take on on what I should be doing for a perfect date. Okay.
1: Well, I take full credit for that. Reputation as a (laughs) romantic... cow. I think, if I recall correctly, his honeymoon in Poco was in place of Paris. Yes. Right, so... A good second choice. Solid backup. Safety. Yeah. If Paris is not going to work out, come to Poco instead. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's try and fit as many things as possible into this day. So um, I would start the day out... Um, at our award-winning, brand new, Pork Coquitlam Community Center, okay, where you would have your choice of a spin class, yoga class, ah. just to you know try and be a bit of a homer with you. <laughs> you could go swimming. You could go skating. Uh, you could, It has all those facilities in one. You building? could have a workout. Wow. You go to the Terry Fox Library. Hmm. You could go to the Terry Fox Hometown Square. Okay. Uh, and is it Instagrammable? Absolutely. Okay. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the very cool features of the Port Kukulman Community Center in the Terry Fox Hometown Square, which is the uh, public plaza outside of the community center. There is uh, Terry's Marathon of Hope embedded into the ground oh, with cool. markers. Uh, of significant events of the Marathon of Hope, and you oh, nice. can literally trace his footsteps, uh, and and use a QR code to learn more about the Marathon of Hope. Oh, that's really cool! Wow, it, it's it's one of like the hidden gems in our community that you know we've just delivered in the last year. And what I've particularly liked about it, and I take my uh, my five year old son there, and he loves to run and to trace the the footsteps and mm-hmm. then we have these very cool conversations about terry fox and i think like as a legacy item for next generation of pork aquilomites, mm-hmm. uh it's a really cool experience so you can start there that's a great
0: start that, and and if you do the workout you have shower facilities so you're not you, stinky for the rest of the day
1: you, that's perfect you're you can get showered and you're ready to carry on with your day um from there, you're, you know, you're basically a few steps away from the heart of downtown Port Coquitlam. and you can come into the heart of downtown Port Coquitlam and and visit a number of very uh, cool and unique. Local what street shops. is that? The Main Strip, Shaughnessy. Shaughnessy. Okay, right. Ahead. So uh, you're close to Shaughnessy. You can go to a number of breweries. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to start playing favorites because they're all good. <laughs> uh, just so you can go to a number of different breweries, you can go to. Europe Bakery, uh, which is one of the coolest old school European bakeries, uh, probably in Metro Vancouver. Yeah, uh, and the, the the couple that owns it has just retired mm. and have handed it off to a new family, but all the old school traditions remain. Cool, uh, super popular spot, um, and of course you can you know take. Whatever little snack you get there from your bakery, whatever beverage you get from one of our breweries or our distillery, mm-hmm. and you can go to one of the many beautiful parks in Porcoquitlam and you can crack that sucker yeah. and guzzle it in our park. Yeah, a bylaw officer won't come by, no make by-law me pour out that say, drink. Hey, what do you... Ha- That's not kombucha. That's... <laughs> what is that? Is that... <laughs> that beer? No one's going to say that. You'll be fine.
0: Because I would have just said, hey, I'm friends with the mayor, but I don't even have to say that now. You, you don't. Wow.
1: I mean, you can say that still. But <laughs> you don't have to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny to watch how there continues to be discourse in other cities. I don't even understand. Uh, about, like, uh, should we do this? Should we not? Let's study it more. I mean, we're now going into our what third year um when did we do that 2019 no 2020 early 2020 yeah yeah okay so um this is our second year uh, of having it and like it's been fine it's been fun hasn't been chaos it hasn't been anarchy it's, yeah. been, it's been like <laughs> literally like um you know families and i mean it it the increased use of our parks and like the wide variety of things that have happened in the parks. There's been weddings in our parks, mm. you know, birthday parties, anniversaries, retirements, um, like uh, engagement parties. There's been some very cool things that have happened in our parks, yeah. um, you know, because if you're putting on something like that, you know, you usually want to be able to serve people, you know, a glass of wine or champagne or cocktail or beer or what have you. And uh, you know, and and so it's been really positive and you know it's funny i was reflecting upon when we did that like that was like done in a matter of two weeks there's no like oh oh, we should study this and you know and this is one of my things yeah i i have to get it get this in and because we're talking about local government Mm -hmm. um and i've been trying to like get this message out um to my colleagues Fear of liability <laughs> and risk tolerance. Those two things have got to be the biggest killer of creative, mm-hmm. fun, or good ideas yeah. in cities. Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone's maybe intentionally trying to be a Debbie Downer, mm-hmm. but like, I just any time you think of you know you suggest anything that is kind of remotely outside the box <gasps> Ooh, what if what anno- no. what annoys me is the wishy-washiness
0: of yeah. it of like we're looking into it we're, we're okay we're thinking about it we're going to do some studies we're going to do this and it's like just just say you're not going to do it or do it or do, you know or, and try or try it in, again like, it doesn't have to be every park sure you can make some parks that are yeah. completely quote-unquote family friendly where won't have alcohol around in north van uh, in at shipyards you can drink wherever you want and it's awesome especially in the summer yeah right and it's it's always clean down there no for sure there's never like a bad crowd or anything you know people are normal
1: it's so weird and because like this happens all over the world world. but somehow we think in north america oh like you know we can't, we can't do it here.
0: Um, and there's almost a case to have it more spread out in a municipality because I mean, we think about, you know, the, the Stanley Cup riots in, in 2011, that kind of yeah. stuff. It's really when you concentrate a certain amount of people in one area, yeah, for that, sure, that the propensity of something happening increases. But if it's yeah. a little more spread out and people yeah. can still
1: move, like it's, and you, you know what, you, like uh, I'm sorry, but a lot of the people who would. Um, who would take it to excess who or who would do it to try and cause a problem like they're not gonna they weren't being stopped before by exactly the fact that you weren't allowed to do it exactly. i actually think what's happened is because quote unquote normies can do it yeah. because everyone's able to do it uh and in our situation it, it's largely families mm-hmm. it kind of polices it a bit too yeah you know because there's families around and, and that sort of stuff um, yeah there, there's barbecues. so let um, the normies normalize it absolutely <laughs>
0: it. That's okay we, let's get back to the the day yeah, okay.
1: okay so we're nice so little what, picnic. T- what time is it now i mean that's been a
0: i i would guess we're around early afternoon okay mid-afternoon
1: yeah early afternoon mid-afternoon okay um do you like bowling Sure. Okay. Perfect. Sell me on bowling, those. So. Okay. So, in Quitlam, we have Poco Bowl. Okay. Which is one of the oldest bowling alleys in Metro Vancouver. Okay. I just made that up, but I think it's true. <laughs> There's not a lot of bowling alleys actually, you know, around anymore, mm-hmm. and, and we have one uh, right in the heart of downtown Poco, um, which is sort of iconic in our city. And it's funny, like, um, I often get letters from elementary school students and their class does this thing about like, write the mayor and tell them, tell him what you like about Poco. Yeah. And like, inevitably, like the number one thing that I get from the kids is Poco Bowl. Really? Yeah. They oh, love wow. It. So okay. It's a very, it's a it's very a popular spot. It is a very popular spot. Okay. Um, so you would have to definitely, um, duck in there for um, for a bit of bowling. For sure. sure. Um, you know, because that's just a, an iconic thing. Um, I would say that uh, you would need to then probably, because it's romantic. I think I'll remember that. Oh, exact. right. Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: it's supposed to be a terrific lady day. It's supposed to be catering towards her, but sure. Yeah. Let's okay. Well, <laughs> you, know.
1: you just asked me things that I like. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but it's Um, been good it's been good I like it Yeah. so I would say then that if if we're starting to like drive towards the end Mm -hmm. um, a uh, a romantic walk along the Poco Trail um, as you're watching the the sunset Mm. gazing over into Pit Meadows right um, or depending what part of you know the trail you're on gazing into Surrey okay um, emphasis on the romantic part. <laughs> the sun is coming down. The, the breeze is coming off yeah. the, the Portman Bridge. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the Poco Trail, um, because our city is uh, surrounded by th- uh, three rivers: Quitlam River, Pitt River. That's right, the Fraser yeah. River. The the Poco Trail, which goes around in our entire city uh, and traverses those rivers. Um, is a super popular spot, and there's places you can stop along to uh, to sit and to stare at the sunset and mm. to contemplate things. And um, you know, there's there's great spots along the trail mo to get down on one knee, should, should, should the mood strike you. To pop that now, question. I, now I can never go to Coquitlam right. for to, this day. You just killed it. But pop, Port
0: Coquitlam, sorry. To pop that question. <laughs> where do you want to have dinner? Right. Yeah, there you go. That's the big question. Yeah. Ma now, obviously, that's where you have to go. Ma now would be a great I choice. always will rep. There are some great places to eat in Poco. Did you bring more restaurants into Port Coquitlam? You had this little, I don't want to call it a tiff, but you, you kind of went viral when, when you said, hey, all you restaurants in Vancouver or elsewhere, if you're having a tough time, Come, come to Poco. Did you snag any yeah, interesting I, restaurants into um, your
1: city? That just happened uh, a month or two ago, but I've had, um, honestly, I've had a number of inquiries and we're hmm. following up and having some really good discussions because I am trying to attract uh, new and, uh, you know, and, and cool spots uh, in Poco to come to Poco and, um, well, you're uh, the romance capital of BC now, absolutely. so and, and it's definitely not it's not a shot at RC It's just like part of my job is like, hey, come to come to our city. Yeah. We want you, and we and we do. And so, you know, uh, we're working hard on uh, some uh, revitalization in our city and creating areas uh, to try and get a concentration of of restaurants and places to to drink and eat and hang cool. out and that sort of stuff. So. Um, yeah, there's been actually some uh, some interesting conversations happening here, so I'm hoping that we're able to uh, uh, add to the already stellar lineup we have. <laughs> I look forward to that. You'll have to update this uh, dream
0: date in Poco for me once, once that happens. I, I'll be very interested to see who comes to town. Last thing before I let you go, I, I do want to encourage anyone who's still listening that if you do go to breweries in Port Coquitlam, Keep Take a photo, post it on social media, and tag the mayor who I'm speaking to right now, Brad West, uh, and he will get back to you. Because I remember one day I was really trolling you online where I was I was like, I'm at this spot, I'm at this spot, you're hiding, I'm the mayor now. And you took it with good humor. People thought I had some sort of beef with you, and I was like, no, no, no,
1: I'm just, just <laughs> I, messing I, with them. I, I do remember that. When, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I got the notifications. I was just <laughs>
0: <laughs> brad this was always a pleasure uh, i'm so glad we could do this this was a little more uh, relaxed i find than than last time maybe it just wasn't as somber we've always gone really serious yes. but but i appreciate the chat as always hope to have you back on the show uh great job with with port Coquitlam, and obviously i'm a big fan of your advocacy outside of your role as mayor so keep up the good work Thank you, my friend. Folks, he's my bro. But most importantly, he's the mayor of Port Coquitlam. He's Mayor Brad West. And I'm Oamir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.